Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Central's Easter Pageant of Hope. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this is because the Christmas pageant went so well, correct? It was definitely helpful that the Christmas pageant went really well. Sure. And we're still in like a pandemic lockdown. Absolutely. And it was a way that families who are experiencing such incredible challenge and difficulty could still be involved and still engage in some faith formation and those kinds of pieces, as well as contribute to our Sunday morning worship together. Even though showing up on a Sunday morning when your kids have been in online school all week, it's super hard. It's a lot. One, to get up, but it's also super hard to choose to do more screens. And that's a really big deal. So what we did this time is instead of making scenes and hoping we had enough people for them, we asked right after the Christmas pageant how many people would like to be a part of doing an Easter pageant. And then we took that number of families and broke down the story into that number of scenes. Nice. So you kind of knew from the get-go. Yes. This time, totally knew from the beginning how many to aim for. So did you start working on it right away? I should have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, humanity. (laughs) Yeah. It's a much harder topic. Oh, yeah. You know, a birth of a baby is a very happy topic. (laughs) Totally. And fun, right? Like it's fun to do babies and animals and Mm -hmm. angels and shepherds. There's a reason why there's not many Easter plays for children. I would fully believe that. So you Mm -hmm. had to write this all from scratch, all by yourself, correct? Yeah, because one of the things that's a challenge is copywriting. Sure. And the materials that are out there written by other folks are some fantastic materials. But we not only have our services via Zoom, but we record them and we broadcast them via Facebook and then we hold them for one year on our Facebook page. And so many of the scripts that are out there for use in churches, which are perfectly fine to use on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm are not recordable. You don't pay for the copyright to have the right to record it and then leave it out in the world. Because if someone wanted to, they could listen and type it all down and not have to pay for the script. Sure. So where did you start then? Did you know you wanted to use the text that we were using this year or did you want to pick a different particular gospel? It was kind of back and forth. So every year you always have the choice of doing the gospel that's kind of the main through line of the lectionary year or the gospel of John. Okay. And in Holy Week, typically what happens is you have Palm Sunday, Palm Passion Sunday, where you hear from one gospel and then your Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, you'll listen to the other one. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on the gospel of John on Palm Passion Sunday and Easter Sunday, then maybe you do Mark on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. Or the reverse. That was able to level it down to two, right? Between the Synoptic Gospel or John. Sure. And I kind of thought about and looked at Mark is the gospel for this year. And I looked at Mark and I looked at John. And John is really hard. Yeah? 
I mean, there's an entire chapter that's just Jesus praying. That would be rather slow for a young child. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like the priestly prayer, though beautiful and wonderful, and I love it, is super hard to understand. It's the one that's like, I am in them and they are in me and you are in me and they are in us. And therefore, when you gave them to me, they became a part of us. So when I go away, you will take care of them. It makes it very difficult to make it into a script that a kid could access and understand the story. Mm -hmm. The Gospel of John is really good at being an in-depth like if you dive below the surface of John, you can get some really incredible insights about God. But children between the ages of three and 11 are not yet masters of metaphor and deeper meaning. They don't even know right? what a metaphor is probably. And they use them. Mm -hmm. They use them in their conversation, but it's not like it's something that's really an easy tool to use as of yet. So I looked at Mark opted to go with Mark. Mark is super hard because it ends really weird. Okay. You didn't want to like start with the beginning of one and end with the other? I didn't. Because what I did with the Christmas pageant is I just took and went from one chapter all the way through to the end, right? Like I stayed consistent and I included all of the verses that were a part of the story, even if we don't normally use those verses. And that was part of what was unique about it was we got so much more of Elizabeth and Zachariah because we just did the entirety of those chapters instead of parts and pieces and a little bit more of a timeline of the story, right? So there was a whole lot more that happened before Jesus was born. Jesus wasn't born until like scene 12 of 13 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's so much more there. I wanted to do something similar with the Easter pageant to just take our gospel and have the kids read our story. That being said, it's real hard. Yeah. So walk us through it. What is the bit of Mark? Because I'm guessing you did not use the entire gospel. You're only going to use no. the back half of it. So why used from the Last Supper? Sure, that makes sense. Through the Day of Resurrection. So it's literally from dinner time, the day before he died, chronologically through that evening and the morning, his death burial, and then the day of resurrection. You didn't even want to start with the Palm Sunday, walking in, excitement? No, because it's actually pretty far back in the Gospel of Mark. Okay. So if I had pulled the entry processional in, then I would have had several more kind of stories of him being in Jerusalem to cover. Okay. And I was able to start with the meal, coming in for the Passover meal, through to the and and keep it nice and bookmarked and get the 15 scenes that I needed. Wow, 15. It seems like a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Were you very particular in terms of, I think this family can handle this scene better than this family could do this scene? Yeah, so because this covers really difficult things. Yeah, it does. And just being blatant and honest, right? This covers Jesus being tortured. Yeah. This covers... An arrest, 
an unlawful arrest. This covers betrayal of friends. This covers a trial that is a setup. So it, it covers a lot of things that sadly our children are seeing regularly in the news around them. Yep. And the stories that they're hearing around them of current events. So it's relatable in that sense, but it is still very hard topics. And so when I was finished, I set up pretty clear things. I did the same as I did with the Christmas pageant of giving a background of what was going on, having them think about some questions as a way to kind of center their own faith in the questions, and then read the scripture, do some imagination time, and then create the scene. Oh, that's right. You didn't actually write dialogue for the Christmas pageant. You let them come up with their own. Both and. Okay. Both and. So I had written sample scenes for the Christmas pageant. Okay. And I'd say 95% of folks used those sample scenes. I would. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Right? I also open it up for imagination time. Like, how do you want to make it come to life? And they didn't have to use my scenes or they could add to the scenes or they could swap them out or change them up. So they could do anything they wanted with it. They had permission, but many of them used the scenes. So knowing that, then I have the sample scenes in there. Going through it all, I was very concerned. (laughs) This time around? Yeah, very super concerned this time around because it's a lot of really hard stuff. And so we are blessed and lucky to have some mental health care professionals within our congregation who are also young parents. And so two of the three of them were able to review the document before I sent it to the families to say, could you please check that the content is age appropriate, that the questions are leading in the right way, that the hope lessons that are in there are aiming at the right kind of qualities and skills to build hope and to build resiliency skills in children. Can you make certain that the parameters and the boundaries that I set are clear enough? Mm -hmm. So I'm real clear in there that once Jesus is arrested and has gone through the trial, there's one scene that's the pivot where he goes from the trial to being taken by the guards Mm -hmm. And is harmed by the guards and then moves towards the cross. Once we make that pivot, that no child should be embodying Jesus. Oh, interesting. Sure. Because it's important to me that we are not showing imagery or filming imagery of children being harmed. And there's multiple moments also where the removal of clothing is a part of the story. Mm -hmm. And that that is not something that we will film or show images of. And so I was really clear on the boundaries around, like, here's a way you can do this. So then moving them more towards, you know, Jesus is going to be placed on the cross. How could you depict this in art? How could you show this? Could you do this in shadows? Could you do this in, right? Like, what are the different ways this instead is of having a child? This fascinating to me because especially having grown up Catholic, I mean, the part of sitting in church is you're usually bored mm-hmm. because you're a kid and all you have to look up at other than the stained glass windows potentially around you is the crucifix that's inevitably mm-hmm. at the front of the church, which is not what is standard in the Lutheran church. Right. 
Right. So Catholic churches have the crucifix, which for folks who aren't accustomed to church stuff means that there is a body on the cross. Mm -hmm. And many Protestant churches have the cross triumphant, which is an empty cross Mm -hmm. to proclaim the triumph of the risen Christ. It wouldn't even have occurred to me that that imagery would be something foreign to these young kids because it's front and center for pretty much the first 18 years of my life. Right. And it's not that the crucifix is an image that isn't appropriate. It's not that the idea of seeing an adult man on the cross is an inappropriate religious image. No, for a kid is what you're getting at, right? For a kid to be the one portraying that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that is developmentally appropriate. Mm -hmm. Not in a time when children are facing such violence in general. Mm -hmm. And so... I set boundaries around this and then gave opportunities for imagination around what would it mean to do this in a different way? What would it mean to show this in a different way? How can you do this and portray this without it having to be a person acting as Jesus in these moments? How well did you do? I'm curious what kind of feedback you got from these professionals if most of what you had went through or what kind of changes they were asking for you to make. So they both felt like it was solid. Like the material was good and safe and they recognized the potential challenges that would come. Sure. And were incredibly gracious enough to offer to our families to be available as professional support should anything come up for their families while they went through this. That's lovely. So that's one thing I would say, like if anyone wants to use this pageant, we met with as many families as possible on Saturday to give them the script. And we talked through, like, here's the story. The story ends with the women in fear. It ends feeling like it's not complete. It doesn't end fun. It ends scared. And then taking it from there to say, but at the same time, we know that that's not where the story really ends because the story hasn't ended. The story goes on because 2000 years later, we know this story and we are telling it yet again. So at that point, being able to tell the families, here's how we look towards hope. Mm -hmm. Here's how we make this a hopeful story at the end, even if it feels different. Here are the professionals that are resources for you should big feelings come up. And here are your scene assignments. And if for some reason that scene does not work for you, please let us know in the next 24 to 36 hours, pretty much 24 hours, so that we can make other arrangements. Mm -hmm. And then when I did the casting, it was really a lot more about either families that have additional theological resources Mm -hmm. or age. So if a family is older or they have older children, then maybe they got one of the challenging scenes Mm -hmm. and the youngest children got some of the nicer, kinder scenes like the final supper Mm -hmm. or something like that, regardless of how many people were in the scene, how many characters. So it wasn't like looking at, okay, we've got a family with three siblings And we have a scene with three shepherds. Sure. Let's do it that way. It was, okay, these kids are this old. This family has this pastor in their family who's a grandparent who can be a backup resource for them. I'm going to go ahead and give them this scene and check in with them so that they know that we're available to support them as they wrestle with this. Or this scene is something that I suggested art 
and this person is an art teacher Mm -hmm. and is phenomenally talented and the kids do art day in and day out. It's a hard scene and they have the skills to be able to do this well. I'm going to go ahead and assign that there. Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned you decided not to use John because it was going to be too hard. You've sort of talked around the problems of Mark, but Mm -hmm. let's get into it. The ending of Mark, Mm -hmm. I know that you have struggled with. First of all, tell everybody what the ending of Mark is. Remind us all again. And then I'm curious what you did to solve that problem. Yeah. So the gospel of Mark, if you open up your Bible and you look at it, you're going to see the chapter goes to like verse eight, and then maybe there's a little break and your Bible might actually say, scholars wonder if these next verses were added later. Because the oldest manuscripts we have of the gospel of Mark end at the women running away in fear and telling no one. Yeah, that's not a great ending. I love it so much. Well, yes, but when you're trying to get kids yep, to have hope, that's not really the most hopeful ending I can come up with. No. And the next couple of verses that are in there are additions that are found on later manuscripts that tell stories similar to what we see in Matthew and Luke. But the original that we think is the end ends with the women running. So that's where we ended. Okay. And with that, the document that I created for the families, there's an entire page that kind of talks about it and says, this is a hard ending. But what it does is it gives us the opportunity to know that other people have felt fear around their faith and confusion and have wondered. Important people, people who became really important to our faith, felt that same kind of doubt and wonder and fear and worry and sadness and grief. And so those things, it gives permission to those emotions for our kids. And it gives permission for those emotions in regard to their faith for our kids. And then to bring it back to say, but the beginning of this gospel, the very first verse is that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there isn't really an ending because our story hasn't ended. We continue to tell the good news over and over and over. So the assignment for all the families and an invitation out to the community is to think about who has told you the good news story. Is it a grandparent? Is it a pastor? Is it a friend? Where is it that you hear the good news about God? Make a poster, make a sign, take a selfie, and send it in. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping that the families do this, take selfies of that, send it in, so that the end of the story... The suggestion is that they end with like a poster board sign that says, here ends the story, dot, 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 and then drop it. Mm -hmm. And then, or does it? Mm -hmm. And then the credits, so to speak, will be the pictures of the young families 2,000 years later with the names of all the people who have shared the good news with them. Nice. And then throughout the service, the hope is that members of the congregation have done this as well. Okay. So that we can use those pictures at various other points during the service. Wow. It's bold. I like it. Got to find a way to help the gospel of Mark have an end, not an ending, but at least be understood. Sure. Well, given that, that you insisted on using that particular gospel's ending, 
Is there anything else that you decided perhaps you should skip for one reason or another? (laughs) I'll be honest. I really wanted to skip the, there's one verse in the garden scene. Jesus is arrested. It's full chaos and madness. And this is the gospel where the ear gets struck off, but it's not explicitly healed. Mm. It's a much more chaotic scene. And at the end of the scene, there's a verse that says there was a young man who was wearing a linen cloth who was also there with Jesus. The guards grabbed his cloth and he ran away naked. Okay. No streaking. (laughs) No streaking. Like, (laughs) I made it clear, like, he's not in the sample scene. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Like, I, I didn't include that character in like scene suggestions. I didn't expand on it in the imagination. I mention it so that parents know that I see that it is there. I would have deleted it if I had not been faithful to the verses all the way through everything else. Sure. Because it's a very confusing, like scholars have all kinds of theories on who that person was, but there's no real clarity. There is no definitive clarity on who the streaker is in the Gospel of Mark. Well, and I applaud your decision not to sort of cherry pick that here's a good part, here's a good part. Ooh, I don't like this. This is challenging. We're going to leave that out right down to your decision to leave that. I'm going to use air quotes around problematic ending of Mark. Yeah. Well, and I will say that there is the section where Jesus is tortured by the Roman guards. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's taken from Pilate, the trial ends, Pilate gives him to the guards, and the guards then take his clothing, do the crown of thorns, put the robe on him, and then beat him. Mm -hmm. And it's all fairly explicitly explained in the Gospel of Mark. Mm. And what I put in the material for the families is you can explore some of this, you can talk about some of this, but if this is not appropriate for your child or would not be helpful, just hand him over to the guards and send him onto the cross. Mm-hmm. You don't have to address this in the filming. Or you can with these parameters. No child should be seen mm-hmm. actively harming another child. That that's not an acceptable choice to show on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of, and I'll be checking in and talking with that family specifically because it's, it's a a big scene. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Not my favorite part of Jesus Christ Superstar either. I'm going to be honest. No. And it's important that it's there theologically, Mm -hmm. like for us to understand. And there are many pieces about that reality that it is an important part of the story to understand. Mm -hmm. And a seven-year-old can understand that Jesus got beat up. Yeah, without it having to be... Without it being explicit. Mm -hmm. Without going Mel Gibson style. Exactly. Right? So this sounds like sort of a a lot of work, for lack of a better term. Is it something that you just want to show this Sunday? Is it something you want to make available other ways? Or what what are your plans for it in the future? For this year, at least, I think with the material, what my plan is, is to send it out to the adults of the congregation and to everyone early ahead of time. I think there are ways in which this could be an excellent devotional tool. Okay. As people are preparing and looking toward Easter Sunday. So for adults who want something to look through and really spend time with the passion story, the opportunity to have imagination or questions around hope or those kinds of things 
yeah, it's written for children, but it's also a faith development tool. Oh, that's universal. Right. And it's kind of like, I'll probably send it out with something like, if you've enjoyed my children's sermons, Mm -hmm. think of this as an extended children's sermon and interact with it. Take some time. If I had had the energy or capacity, I could have sent it out 15 days ahead so that you could do one a day. Mm -hmm. As it is, it will get out when the spirit gets it out. (laughs) Yep. And folks can encounter it. I know that it was a profound experience to spend the time writing it and to slow down through the telling of it enough to do the imagination questions, to come up with the, how loud do you think the Roman centurion said he really was the son of God? Mm -hmm. Do you think he shouted it? Do you think he didn't? Why do you think it got dark? Do you think it was a, a storm? Was it stormy out? Did it get cold? Was there rain? Was it wet? Or was it an eclipse? Why do you think it got dark outside at noon? How Mm -hmm. tired do you think Jesus was at this point in our story? Like to sit and kind of imagine through some of those questions brought it to life in another way that was a profound, a profound opportunity. And so I want to send that out. It's in the hands of our young families. It's in the hands of our children. And I think that it can be in the hands of our entire community, especially for our people to be praying for the kids. Sure. As they're filming the scenes this week. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. In the past, you have talked about doing a holy vigil with the children for the Saturday service. Mm -hmm. This seems like it is taking place of that because pandemic. Did that play in your mind at all that you would be doing something completely different than what you usually try to do on Saturday, because that Saturday is more of a hopeful, let's tell stories, let's do the Easter candy thing, the egg roll thing, that kind of stuff. This is a huge departure from that. Two pieces. One is that we're still doing the vigil. Okay. So the kids are still going to get that time of playful story together. Excellent. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, that is still going to happen. That'll happen at 4 p.m. on Easter Saturday, the Saturday before Easter. Obviously, we're not doing an egg hunt, but we are going to be gathering together via Zoom to tell stories and have fun and be silly. So that's still going to happen. I think originally, you know, at Christmas time when I thought when we were thinking about this, I thought maybe we would do like from the resurrection scene through a little bit of acts or something. We hadn't made the decision to do Holy Week. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't as intimidating to think about telling it from like Mary Magdalene finding Jesus in the garden and then a resurrected Jesus going and visiting the disciples in a locked room. If we think of the Gospel of John stories that come after Easter and in the Easter season, I think that my head had kind of imagined writing those kinds of scenes. Oh, sure. Doubting Thomas is a far easier scene than something like the trials. Right, exactly. And so then when we decided to stick with Palm Sunday for Palm Sunday, Mm -hmm. and we're not doing Palm Passion, we're just doing Palm Sunday, and we're choosing to have the kids to take this opportunity to do the faith formations part of having the kids learn the Easter story and not wanting the kids to just go from celebration to celebration. Mm Mm-hmm that there's a part of this story that really matters. And in the world that they're growing up in, knowing that their God understands is important. And so when it became telling the passion story, 
it became a lot more intimidating to write it. Oh, I believe that. (laughs) And a lot harder to do. And hopefully it is a useful and faithful tool that whoever encounters it can find that opportunity to practice building hope and practice building resiliency because our kids need to learn how to do that. And if they can do that in a safe place and in a safe environment, in a story when it's not their own story or their friend's story, I mean, that's what our faith is about, right? Is so that when we confront these things in our own lives, we have the tools to give us a way to continue to hope, to give us a way to continue to be resilient, to give us a way to get through to the next day with any kind of kindness and love still in our heart. And these kids need that. Mm -hmm. We all do. That's hopefully what it will provide. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Central's Easter Pageant of Hope. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. We will have a copy of the script like we did for the Christmas pageant on our blog page for you to download and use if you wish. You are welcome to use it within your congregational setting as you wish. Please see if you can get some mental health support professionals on board from your community to offer as a resource or simply enter into it with kindness and gentleness for your families should you choose to do this. Thank you for being a part of this community, for listening along, and until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.